sneaker enthusiast podcast my name is brian and each week my brother nacho and i sit down with a guest and we geek out on sneakers that we used to wear back in the day sneakers in the current rotation basically if you're into sneakers you've come to the right place for this week's episode we sat down with nick angval the founder of the sneaker history podcast uh, he's an OG in the sneaker industry. He's worked for East Bay. He's worked for StockX, Complex, Soul Collector, Nice Kicks. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm missing one. He's worked for everybody in the sneaker industry, and he's done a ton of things, and we had a lovely time chatting with him. But before we get into the interview, uh, we got to do our weekly segment here on the show, and that is called Wear One, Remake One, Erase One. And the rules are actually very simple, ladies and gentlemen. So each week we put out a graphic of three sneakers in our Facebook group and our group members have to choose one to wear, choose one to remake, and choose one to erase forever. If you would like to participate in next week's segment of wear one, remake one, erase one, you'd have to be a group member in our private Facebook group. And to do that, you just have to email us at nachoaveragefinds at gmail.com. That's nacho, like nacho cheese, average, the word average, finds f-i-n-d-s all one word not your average finds at gmail.com and we'll send you back an invite link all right guys let's get into this week's segment of wear one remake one erase one all right guys we're back with wear one remake one erase one and our first entry for this week is from Doug Huey. He said he would wear the Kobe's, probably the best back basketball shoe to release since the OG foam posits. Even though they're my favorite out of the bunch, I'd erase the Travis Scott's. Nothing at all wrong with the shoe, but they spawn such an uptick in the fake market that I have to see them go. It's to the point that where if you see a pair, you just assume they're fakes. We're better off in the comically bad pre-TS1 fake market of SpongeBob J's and Clear 7s. He said he'd remake the unions. They're so close to being a legendary shoe, but there's something about them that's just off. Give it a different color midsole and a normal four tongue, and it's a 10 10. Mm, I mean, I kind of agree with him in a sense. Uh, the Travis Scott's, I mean, that backwards swoosh, I just can't do it. I feel like the mochas are, are, are a, a superior shoe. Um, they really don't, I don't know. One, I'm not a big, huge Travis Scott fan. Not, I can't even say I'm a fan or I'm not a fan because I only heard the singles, but I'm really not with whatever he designs. I haven't seen a sneaker that, that he's put his touch on or anything like that that I said, oh, wow, I need to get those. Um, the Kobe's, um, I don't know. I, I, I still feel that it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, you know, the fact that he died such a tragic death and it's kind of still recent in a sense. I don't really agree with it, like coming out like again this early. So I'd probably have to, you know, cancel those. I'd trash the Travis Scott's and then the fours. I think I like those, but I actually like the guavas more than I like the black noirs. You know, that's just my personal opinion, just because I'm not a huge black shoe guy. Like, I don't know. I, I, I like white sneakers because I feel like they pop a lot more or like, you know, lighter colored sneakers in a sense. Okay. He said that he would color the midsole a little different probably remove the uh, I'm, I'm thinking that he has an issue with the yellow sole the fake yellowing on it i don't mind the yellowing the yellowing is cool so it's like pay tribute to the 80s but yeah. the big thing that he was talking about w was with the travis scott's how it kind of spawned like a huge boom and fakes and really good fakes too like some of the fakes it's it's hard you know you really got to know what you're looking for to id a fake and i 
I I would agree. You know, I think I think it did kind of start an uptick in in, in the fake market, and it was I guess it was easier like those and, like those super pro replicas. Yeah, like it's super hard yeah. to tell, bro. It's super hard to tell on some of them. Like you really got to know what you like. Sometimes I'll even Google like not just the Travis Scott's, but I'd be like, you know, you know, how do you tell like fake off white UNCs from real ones? And it's like it's pretty. You really got to know what you're looking at. You know what I mean? Because it's pretty damn close. But the big giveaway, I guess, is the uh, the the boxy uh, toe box. It's like more square and it it doesn't look supple. That's the big giveaway for most Jordan ones, apparently. But the Kobe's, yeah, I, I love that shoe. Uh, I wish I would have got one. Um, he he said that it's the best basketball shoe to release since the OG foam posits. I think what he means is in terms of like tech. So I'm assuming that Doug probably hoops a little bit and he knows more about that stuff. I don't play basketball. I love basketball, but I don't play. David for sure doesn't play basketball, so he doesn't know no. how, the, how the shoe performs. But I think it's a dope shoe. I would definitely wear those too. Th- thanks for writing in, Doug. So this entry comes from Robert Brown. He said he would wear the Kobe's, remake the Travis, and erase the Noir. I asked him how he would remake the Travs, and he said that he would make it a more light color and make it as a full blown high top. I feel like 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 the Travis Scotts are just, I don't know, they're just. You see them, maybe I'm just being just, I don't know, just too hard on them just because I see them everywhere. It's like everywhere. It's like, it's like a, it's like an all white Air Force One. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's common. Like, you see it. I mean, I love all white Air Force Ones. I wear them, you know, religiously, but like, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, you know, and that's how I feel about the Travis Scott's. It's like, they just don't have that appeal for me. And like I said, like the backwards swoosh kills me. I didn't like it on the LeBrons. I don't like it on the Travis Scott one. It's just, I don't know. It just looks dumb. You know, the swoosh is supposed to go one way, in my opinion. It's dumb? My personal opinion is dumb. I would garbage those. I would shred those. Done. Damn. Right? Hey, Bring this, out the mo- the mo- This, is, this I, is Nacho, not me, think- bro. This is Nacho, guys. This is Nacho. You could, yeah. you could bring the heat on to him. You know what I'm saying? Bring it. You know what I mean? All right, thank you. Thanks, Robert, for writing in. The homie Q writes in. He's a actually an admin of our Facebook group. He says that he would erase the, the Travis Scotts. He would remake the Grinches, and he would wear the Unions. I asked him how he would remake the Grinches. He said he would give them a synthetic snakeskin material that's a bit translucent, where the black is dominant color with hints of green at different angles, kind of like a black mamba. That's kind of cool, you know, like to kind of pay tribute. I think that's been done before on, on other Kobe shoes. But I see, I see, I see what he means. He wants it to be like closer to to a Mamba. I think the yeah. whole point of the shoe, the I, I, actually, I don't know the history of the shoe. I don't know if they called it the Grinch because it was released. Did he wear them on Christmas? I think he might have worn them like on a Christmas Day game or something, or during the holidays. Uh, it was like a player exclusive. He said he would erase the Travis Scott, so he's there with you, and he would wear the Unions. Yeah, the Unions, man. I I, I had him in hand. I had the the Guavas. And uh, I had to, I had to let him go because um, I wanted to get some other sneakers. I got like a Jordan three and like two other Adidas ZX eight thousand. So, but I had them and they were super nice and and it was hard for me to give them away. I would definitely rock the Unions if I wouldn't have resold them. But would you get the Unions or the like? Would you get the Nors or would you get the Guavas? Because the Guavas are a whole different story. I think those are money, but the Nors, eh, they're just. I don't know. They don't do it for me. They're both dope. I had the guavas and I had them in hand and like they're hella nice, bro. They're heavy as hell. They they feel like bricks. 
but the guavas they're kind of for me they're a little hard like i, I don't know why i'll just look bad i feel like i look bad in light clothing like white shirts white pants like even like it's just, it, i always wear black pants. i don't know i just feel like it would have been easier for me to wear unions just like on the go because of the black colorway but i think they're both dope but if i had to choose I would, I would go with the Norse. So Trevor Dunsface Roberts writes in. He said he would erase the Kobe Sixes. He would wear the Travis Scotts. And he would remake the Unions. And then he put only slightly. And he said that he would change the white front lace locks to match the yellowed soles. That's super. That's a super detailed like request. You know what I mean? I, you know, I, there's a lot of things I would change about some shoes. You know, you always when you get a shoe, you you always kind of like. There's always like that that one little thing you feel like you could you could tweak a little bit to kind of make it more your your taste. You know what I mean, David? Yeah, I get it. I mean, no one, you know, Trevor's I mean, I've known him like on the internet for a while now, right? And just knowing his taste in sneakers, this is pretty obvious because I feel like he's his sneaker choices are very uh influenced by music. Like this dude wears Yeezys a lot, and then you know what I mean. I I already know why he picked those stupid Travis Scotts, but I mean my still answer is still that you know what I mean if I had a chance, you know I'm shredding the Travis Scotts. You know what I mean I'm canceling, you know the Kobe's, and I'm redoing the Unions. And that's it. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, but what do you think about him like only changing a, a minute detail of the shoe? Like, do you ever feel like you want to do that when with some of your kicks? Sometimes, I mean, sometimes I feel like, uh, like, you know, like, you know how, like, the whole cream laces thing before it was kind of overdone and redundant? Yeah. Like, I feel like those did give sneakers a, a pop in a sense. It's like, wow, like, the cream laces really make things, like, uh, like pop out. But I'm not really wanting to really, like, really going deep into, like, customization of things. I like white laces. You know, I, I never really use, like, the, the, the laces if they have extra laces in the sneakers. I always keep it just OG. It's just, I don't know. Maybe it's just my age. I'm getting old. You know what I mean? I just can't. That's just my thing. I like the sneakers the way they are. Especially with, like if the laces come with the shoe, like I got some ZX 10,000s. They come with uh, 3M laces, navy blue laces, and they also come with these baby blue laces. And I put the baby blue laces on there and they match the midsole and they're super dope. But like if I was ever to like just, oh, let me just buy some cream laces and put them on, you know, my my threes or my ones or whatever like i feel like it's almost the same like you know now like when you see like back in the day it was dope to have rims right on your car or whatever. and now when you see it, it's like hella cringe and ghetto and you're like eh, i don't i don't know why anybody would fuck up the car like that you should have just kept them stock you know what i mean and i kind of look at it the same way with laces yeah i mean like i said it's everybody everybody wants to you know put their own little stamp on everything so i mean i, I really can't hate i get it you know what i mean Everybody's yeah. trying to be an individual in a team sport, but it is what it is. Thanks, Trevor, for writing in. So Matthew Garfit writes in. He said he would wear the Union 4 as it's a nice, casual-looking shoe that is a bit different to the other 4s. He said he would remake the Travis ones because the reverse swoosh in his head always, he just feels like he just wants to turn it back around because it just looks so wrong. He would erase the Kobe's because it looks too much like a soccer shoe. He just expects basketball shoes to just be chunkier. On the Kobe's looking like a soccer shoe, I mean, I get where he comes from. You know, it does look like more of a performance shoe. But it actually looks like a children's shoe just because of the crazy colorway. Kobe was like one of the first people, and I'm not going to say he's the first one, but he was like the first one to like really like normalize, like, or at least from what I remember, 
like normalized like a low top sneaker that he actually played in you know everybody's actually had like low top sneakers but like more like for like lifestyle purposes but you know yeah that's that's true actually i, I watched an interview with the guy who who like when when kobe went to nike like kobe really pushed for like a high performance low top basketball shoe and they, people thought he was crazy you know because he'd be like what about ankle support what about you know this this and that and he yeah he was the first one to to do that so in that way it doesn't it looks like a innovative basketball shoe it doesn't look like a soccer shoe to me personally but th- 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 thanks for writing in matthew sam buka writes in he said he would wear the grinches he would remake the fours he would want to just be able to just fold the the tongues he he doesn't like how they're stitching and it leaves holes when you remove it he said that he would erase the ones mainly because i hate hearing it's the poor man's travis scott's about every shoe all right sam i could see what you're saying about the the tongue on the union fours like how you would just want it like it's just too cumbersome to to be like you know pulling out a pair of scissors and trying to take out the thread of the uh of the tongue that way you could you could flare it out instead of having it automatically folded in like you it i, I it could have been cool like if they use like velcro or i think velcro would have been cool like fold it in or fold it out with velcro or something like that but i totally understand what you're saying with the unions but i don't i don't hate it either that they did that i think it's pretty cool too it kind of like it's kind of like when you if you want to take the, the tongue out and flare it out it's it's sort of like a a big decision you know what i mean it's more of like a statement but yeah i agree there and then he said that he would erase the ones mainly because i hate hearing it's the poor man's travis scott about every shoe is that is that true i, I don't know the resale on that shoe off the top of my head but i guess it's more affordable than than the other ones which makes makes nacho cringe you're a hater through and yeah, through yeah yeah Big through 100 hate 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 thanks sam for writing in so william lawrence ryan writes in he said that he would wear the union fours only the noir colorway so not the guava colorway that you like nacho he said he would remake the travis scott ones they were close but the swoosh should should be reversed on both sides and in uniform size because it's only reverse on the uh, on the outside, not the inner side. I don't know if you knew that, David. And then he said he would erase the Grinches. What an absolutely awful shoe. No colorway of that ugly-ass shoe should exist, but that color especially makes it horrible. How do you feel about that take? I mean, it's really, it's, it's, uh, I mean, nobody could tell me that it's, that it's a nice colorway. All right, that it, it looks like a literally like the Grinch, you know, it's not a good looking colorway. I mean, if it didn't have Kobe's name on there, then I don't think anybody would really care for him. So I agree with him on that point. You know what I mean? Like, like just, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to hate on anything Kobe right now. You know, it's not, I mean, I want to tell you straight up, yay or nay, but you know what I mean? Like just off legacy alone. Like I said, I wouldn't even, I, I, I would just cancel out like all of the Kobe's for a while. You know, that's my opinion. I wouldn't put anything out, like nothing. It would just, everything would be in the vault for at least another, I don't know, like 10 years. Yeah. That's I, my opinion. I think the, I think the, the, I like the colorway actually, especially I watch, I'd be watching a lot of basketball and I see the, the players where, and I think it looks dope on the court and I, I could see it kind of being like a, kind of like a snake colorway, but it is kind of cartoonish. It is kind of kiddish, but I think it's dope. I think it it makes it pop. Like it'd be dope. Uh, maybe me luxurious black colorway. You know, like yeah, like, like super like premium, like shiny patent leather black or something. I think that would be dope. But I, I actually I dig the colorway. And he said that he would wear 
the Union 4s, but only the Noir colorway. He wouldn't wear the Guava colorway. And I remember a lot of people when the Guavas came out were saying that they, they look too, like, feminine. Like, you know, that, oh, that's a girl shoe. Like, those those pastel colors, like, they couldn't be caught rocking those, you know. So I hope I hope you don't fall into that camp, <laughs> William. But th- thanks for writing in, man. So Javier Peña writes in. He said that he would wear the Union 4s, remake the Kobe Grinch with a red swoosh. I don't, I don't know about that one. And then he would erase the Travis Scott ones. All right. Well, he's almost there. But, you know what I mean? My whole theory is I would trash the Scots and then I would remake the unions and then I would just, you know, get rid of the, the Kobe's. I guess I get where he's coming from. I don't know why you would put a big red swoosh on a mean green shoe, but <laughs> I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. That he, colorway. He wants it to be uh, more apart, Christmas. You know, yeah. Apart from being, you know, apart from being like a, a just a horrible colorway, you know what I mean? Like I said again. You know, the Kobe, is it's just, I feel it's too early to be releasing Kobe's or retroing Kobe's. I'm not a big fan of the Noor. So if I were to remake it, it would be the Union. But guess what it would be? It would be the Guavas because I like like that girly, pastel-y type colorways. They look soft like a spring shoe. The Travis Scott's, I just, I don't know. The Mocha's is the same sneaker just without the backward swoosh and without the little Cactus Jack thing. So those can go away. And it's the same sneaker, in my opinion. Yeah. The same sneaker as the Mocha's. It's the exact same thing. Like, what? Where's the creativity? Like, if he, I guess if if I were to switch my whole answer up and I were to be like, let me remake the Travis Scotts, he could have put out like a really clean, like navy, like Astro type colorway. Since he's from Houston, you know, I think that would have been dope, like a that dope concept. Super dope, no. actually. Yeah, you know, but he didn't. So it is what it is. I mean. I mean, we're not making sneakers, right? Yes. Not yet. Not, that's the dream, bro. <laughs> a million subscribers yeah, yeah, in the yeah. sneaker deal. What's up? Th- thanks, Javier, for, for writing in. So Max Wilder uh, writes in. Shout out to, to Max Wilder. He's always in the DMs and, and showing us love. He said he would he would wear the Kobe. He says he likes to look. It's very unique. He would remake the Union 4's Noir. Overall, a dope shoe. I just don't like these kind of translucent plastic flaps. They kind of look off to me, and then he would send the cactus jack back to the desert. This is this is pretty close to mine, honestly. I I couldn't find anybody with the same answer as mine, which is weird. I said I, I would I would wear the Union Fours, I would remake the Kobe's, and then I would also send back the the cactus jack back to the desert because I also I don't know I don't I don't really love the shoe. I never really liked the mochas, and I don't know. I just feel like it does lack some kind of creativity. But the Kobe's. I like I like the uh, I mean it, it's I wouldn't call it a perfect shoe but it it, it is damn near perfect but I would have liked to seen like just better better color blocking you know what I mean like uh, the volt green is 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 dope but I it's also kind of I don't know it's a bit much it's a bit overkill play. a little overkill yeah. would like I would have liked some some more play with the color but again like you said it's kind of hard to hate on Kobe stuff. <laughs> And then I would wear the. It's just one of those shoes that, like, I don't think it just it doesn't translate well to a lifestyle sneaker. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, you can't wait. Like, you can't like unless you're a baller, like an actual basketball player. I don't think you could walk around rocking the Grinches, you know, without looking like a cartoon character. I think that one of the. uh, I mean, I I don't even know. I don't know that much about fashion, but I think it was kind of in for a long time to wear like you remember one of those Volt Green 
off-white Air Force Ones were like hot and you wore them with like a construction orange like Carhartt hoodie or Nike hoodie or something. Yeah, tra- I mean, the, yeah, with the joggers, I mean, you know what I mean? That that that's kind of the look that I could never pull. I could never pull that off. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess we just ain't that cool. You know what I mean? We're just basic dudes. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we're just broke, broke. All right, Max, thanks so much for writing in, and thank you to everybody for submitting to the wear one, remake one, erase erase one game. Um, if you would like to submit for next week. You have to be a member of our now private sneaker group called Sneaker Enthusiasts. If you want to be a member, then you either have to know somebody in the group or you can just email us directly at naturalaveragefinds at gmail.com and I will send you back a nice email with the invite leak. So thank you guys so much for watching. Let's now turn our attention over to the interview with Nick Ingvall. As as I kind of grew up, you know, like I think... Um, you know, my first like real pair of shoes, like kind of as a brand name, um, was like a, a pair of Adidas forums, low top, like all maroon. They were just super clearance sale versions. Um, and they, they were, they were horrible really. But like, you know, I look back at it now and think like, you know, it's cool. Like I, I was my first real pair. Right. Um, do you remember the, or, do you remember the store that you bought them at? I don't remember the store at the time we were living, let's see, we're probably living in Rancho Cordova here in the Sacramento area. So I, I would guess that we probably got it from like uh, a Goodwill type of store because there there weren't too many spots that we went to, you know, back in the day, like Mervyn's was still around. Right. And yeah, they had yeah. and sort of had real had shoes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they didn't have a lot of stuff. Right. It was like they'd have like they'd have like eight pairs to choose from. And they were usually way out of our budget anyway. So, yeah, um, I think the first like real memory that i have um of like buy, like actually getting a pair though because that sh- that was like the first one i know was like a big deal to me but like when i got a pair of like nike like actual nike air um it was an ultra force it was like the gray and blue and white uh like the original ones and they were on sale for for like 60 dollars. and i i basically convinced my mom to let me go two years on the same pair of shoes and i got that pair um, and you know, I, I've told the story in different places, but like a lot of my buddies will make fun of me because back then, like that was it, man. I bought, I bought paint. I went to the craft store with my mom to buy paint, to like repaint the soles, repaint the swoosh. I like hot glued the, the, the air bubble once it popped, you know, like I was doing anything I could to keep those from just completely falling apart. But at like 10, 12 years old, you're skating in them, you're on your BMX, your basketball. We lived in Colorado at that time. So like, you know, I'm out in the snow, like uh-huh. they were just totally beat. And I just, I like almost can smell them when I think about them. Cause they were just so terrible. Right. Like <laughs> I had to leave them, I had to like leave them in the garage every night. Cause they just smelled so bad. Cause I was just doing everything. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's, that's kind of like the earliest memory of like, really like, realizing that I was like super excited about this stuff, those kind of three moments where it was like, okay, I don't think I realized that, you know, there was a a career path or, you know, there was no YouTube or podcast or anything like that back then. So it was like, I thought that because my brother could draw, he'd be the one that got to do design stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, so I kind of went a different path you know, I still was big into sneakers all my life, but I went in terms of a career, I went kind of in a different path before I ended up back in sneakers. And eventually like it became more clear to you that there was a, a career path like late, later on in life. Right. Like I think 
I mean, cause I, you know, I did my research and I, and I know that there was kind of like a, a, a fork in the road at some point. Cause you said that you were really into cars or you wanted to pursue like a, a career in something like that. Or you just were at a, a, at a certain point in your life where you weren't sure what you, it is what you wanted to do. And you decided to take like, you know, a chance on sneakers. Like even before, like it was like, you know, now it's, it's a very legitimized industry, but even back then it was still kind of like, you know, strange. Oh yeah, definitely. And yeah. And, and, you know, I listened to your, your episode with Matt Halfhill, right. And um, I, I mean, I remember vividly that whole experience because that's kind of the choice, right. I had, I had worked in like sales, you know, worked for AT&T kind of done the typical, like, I didn't, was it I didn't AT&T really like, or was it singular wireless? I did both actually. Yeah. I was AT&T prior to singular and then I did singular. Yep. Oh, man. Um, yep. And um, yeah, but I mean, that was like the kind of like, okay, well, I, I, I tried to go to school, but I really just, it wasn't a fit. I didn't have the money to pay for it. And I wasn't getting enough out of it because I wanted to take classes that I was actually really excited about, you know? So right, it was like, yeah. I took photography. I took a couple of writing classes. I took a couple of marketing classes and then most of the other stuff that I had to take to, to actually get that degree just didn't, I just didn't have the motivation because I was working, you know, at AT&T making pretty good money. It was like, all right, this seems like a better path, but, um, you know, kind of going back to like, you know, getting into sneakers that I went to, I moved to Austin, Texas, and, you know, this is right at the same time, you know, I was probably there for a couple of weeks before nice kicks started hiring people. And I remember like, it was like a Sunday night and I had, I had lined up. So I'd been working, I'd kind of bounced between like, you know, the, like, uh, communications industry with, with AT&T, with wireless, all that stuff. And then I was doing car stuff. Like I always work on cars. I always like, just, that's kind of my escape is to like, just bang my knuckles around, figure something out, break something and then have to fix it kind of thing. Um, so when I went down to Texas, it was kind of like, okay, well, I can get a job at, at some place doing the car stuff. It's, it's not great money, but it's consistent. You know, it's an easiest foot in the door to get myself situated down here. And uh, I was actually supposed to start the job on Monday and Sunday night, I was just randomly like looking at Craigslist jobs and uh, there's a, a post. I wish I, I wish I had a screenshot of it, um, but it was basically like, if you're into sneakers and you can write, you know, we're looking for people to help uh, with, with this new project that we're doing. And, you know, Matt had started the blog and been doing that. But like you said, that, that, even that was like fairly new at the time, mm -hmm. right? Like the blogs were about, about to blow up, but nobody was really like sure about what that world looked like. Obviously it's changed a lot since then. Um, and I had written a story. So my, my dad had a seizure and in California, you know, when you have a seizure, they take your license away for a certain amount of time. So, so either six months, a year, or potentially even longer, depending on how serious it was. My dad's license got taken away for a year. He had his own kind of small business. So I quit the work that I was doing about a year prior to this. So um, it was kind of like side hustle on the car stuff, stopped the AT&T, like, you know, legit career path type thing and helped my dad. What kind but of business did he have? He was actually teaching people like internet basics. Oh, okay. So um, oh, this damn. is like 2006, 2005, 2006. So like he had a partnership with eBay to like actually teach people how to use eBay back then. Cause eBay was, you know, yeah, was I mean, so they new. were relatively new. Yeah. But so many people didn't understand all the, like, there was all the different platforms you could plug mm -hmm. in. Right. You could say like, 
hey, this guy will do all the shipping for you. This guy will create the photos for you. And like you could connect all these different aspects, kind of the way Shopify works now. But eBay was kind of the only marketplace that really was like big time. So my dad, uh, he was teaching like through partnerships with eBay, um, you know, even just like basic computer knowledge stuff where like you see the little uh, like learning exchange, learning annex, like local kind of, hey, I just need to learn how to take photography classes or how to do Microsoft Word or something like that. And, you know, I've been doing that stuff with him, but not in like a work aspect with him. So I just basically said, okay, like, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to help you out. Um, And then as I kind of like was doing all that stuff with him, you know, like, I I mean, I I wasn't there to learn. I was kind of bored sitting in class with him as he's teaching these things. Um, Love you, dad, if you listen to this. But like, you know, it was just one of those things where I was just like, okay, I got to do something to keep myself busy while I'm (laughs) sitting here waiting. Um, So I started writing the story about like how I got into sneakers, but like specifically how I got into Jordans. And I just remember as a kid, all the kids that, you know, we, we didn't like have the money to buy the shoes, but like, we even like, we didn't really have a place to live. We lived with people from church. We moved around a lot. There was a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in our lives, but the Jordans were always the thing that stood out to me as like, oh, that's the, you know, one day I'll have the money to get that and I'll be able to play like Mike and be like Mike and all those things. Mm-hmm. And specifically the Jordan, like the, the military blue four and the, and the true blue three, because they weren't the Chicago colorways were like really big to me. Like I didn't even know they existed until I saw them at the store. It was like, I thought all Jordans came in, in bulls colorways as a kid, you know, and that, cause all the, all the neighborhood kids that had them ha- would always have the bulls colorways cause they were the popular ones. And I just wanted the, the military fours really were like, like such a crazy shoe to me at, at that age, oh, yeah. because it's, I was trying to draw them. I was trying to like color them, shade them, all that stuff. And, um, so, so that story became what I wrote, you know, sitting in my dad's kind of classroom at at a certain point, never really finished it, but I ended up taking it with me to Texas. When I went to Texas, I put most of my stuff in storage. I, you know, in hindsight, I was chasing a girl that I shouldn't have been chasing, but it worked out for the best. (laughs) Um, you know, we, we, we had kind of had some ups and downs and I went down there and I essentially just took like a duffel bag and, and a backpack with my computer in it. And, um, and a hard drive. Cause I, I'm, you know, at the time I was kind of OCD because you know, the old laptops, you didn't have space. So like I bought like a big old chunky hard drive and every time I would either write something or like create a graphic or something, I would move it to the hard drive after I was done working on it. So I'd have the space <laughs> for the computer to actually work. Yeah. And man, um, I remember them old school days too. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's just, I, yeah. you think about it now and you're like, you know, like I could do a thousand times all a thousand things all at the same time on my cell phone now where yeah that's what i'm saying like our cell phones (laughs) now do what our poor little primitive i remember uh not to put in but i remember like you remember when we used to be able to burn cds oh yeah buying the adapter to the like to to the big thing just to burn a cd and putting it on overnight just to get my cd you know oh (laughs) yeah man it's it's crazy when you think back about it i mean i just think like just saying out loud that my dad was teaching people how to use the internet, how to use eBay is like so crazy. And that's only like 15 or so years ago. You know, it's not, it's not that long ago, but um, yeah, it just, it, it kind of, it kind of was just a crazy timing and crazy coincidence thing because I went, I went to Texas. I, 
I had taken that story off of my hard drive to and put it back on my laptop because I was like, I got to finish this, right? Like I'd written like three, four like pages worth of stuff. Um, and at that time I wasn't getting paid to write. I've always written. I, I like, even from like my like junior high school years, I always was into writing, but more as a way to just like get this stuff out of my head mm-hmm. and, and, and move forward. Right. It was just really a release of like energy for me. So I'd written this thing and, and, you know, it's midnight. It might've even been like midnight, one o'clock in the morning on a Sunday night. And I see this post on Craigslist and I'm like, Oh my God, I got to try that. I like, I literally like type a resume, send the, the, you know, half finished article. I'm like, I think I'm supposed to have this job, man. Like, this is like the, the, you know, this is what I'm here for kind of. And I remember going into the interview and meeting Matt and his wife at the time and, you know, just walking out thinking like, you know, this is why I came to Texas, right? Like, this is like literally the reason that I'm here. And, you know, from there, it kind of just, you know, it turned into some awesome stuff, but, you know, like to your point, like I literally, you know, went to the job interview instead of going to the job that I had. And, you know, at the time, like, you know, the girl that I was with was like, you know, are you sure about that? Like, you know, you, we got to pay rent. And, I think it was just one of those things, you know, like, you know, you just know sometimes that you have to take that chance. And, and if you don't, you're just going to kick yourself, right? Like, I'm sure that I'd be fine working in the other industry. I would have figured it out. But a whole, the whole time I'd be sitting there thinking like, I should have just went for it, you know? So yeah. I'd rather just go for it and figure it out. And if, and if it didn't work out, you know, like you could find another job doing like the the, the car stuff, right? It's, it's, you know, at the time to me, sneakers was the rare like how how could i possibly get my foot in the door of that world where like working on cars you know everybody's got cars and most people don't know how to fix them so you know i might not like the job or you know feel safe working on cars all the time with all the like you know crazy you know uh you know materials and (laughs) and stuff that you end up breathing in while you work on them but yeah you might um, live a shorter life man yeah exactly yeah that you know, I think in hindsight, you know, obviously I think it's worth it and I can still do the car stuff on the side and have fun with it. And it's, it's, it's less stressful that way too. I think it made both things more enjoyable for me. So, so when you got really into cars, were you in California or you were still in Arizona? Um, or, I mean, so, oh no, so, in Texas, I'm sorry, in Texas. So I've been into cars like my entire life. So, um, pro- even before, I mean, maybe even before sneakers, uh, I actually, I bought my first, I bought a Honda, an 81 Honda Prelude when I was 12 years old. So oh. I had saved up some money doing like, doing like yard work and landscaping um, and delivering papers, like all the, all the typical, like yeah. you can get a job while you're underage things I was trying to do. Um, and I remember it was 150 bucks. It didn't run, but my stepdad agreed to pay the 75 bucks to have it towed to the house. If I, if I had saved up the money to buy a car. So it was like, okay, it's 150 bucks. I'll figure it out. Like it wasn't running. It was in really good shape on the inside. It was totally a rust bucket underneath. I didn't know that. Got, you know, live and learn kind of situation. But um, cars kind of was just a thing because I remember, um, you know, like I, I got into Hondas because my my family, my, my both my parents, even before they were married and, and, and after they divorced were, you know, drove Hondas um, as, as a kid. But one of my cousins actually worked at a dealership in Sacramento 
And he, I remember he played in a softball team. Like our family had a softball team. Yeah. Our, our family had a, a, a softball team. And I remember him showing up to one of the softball games. You know, I, I wasn't old enough to play. I just sat the bench and bat boy and, you know, played catch with everybody. But he pulled up and like, he bought like a, one of those like brand new 90, 91 Civic SIs and the teal color, the hatchback. But he put like, this is like 1991, 1992. <laughs> he put 16-inch wheels on it. And it was like, I thought he was like the most baller person I'd ever met because it was like at that time, nobody was doing that on a Civic, right? Like, and they were like, you know, they weren't even like nice wheels, right? They were just like what you could get at the time around here in Sacramento. And most of the time with that stuff, being in the Hondas, he, him working at a Chevy dealership, which was like the family, my family was into, some of my family was into like hot rods and they worked at the Chevy dealerships. So there was always like the, like that side of the world. So like when he, when he got into the Hondas and my parents had already owned Honda Civics, I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Like I got somebody I can look up to. And then it kind of spiraled out of control from there, man. It's like, you know, I, I got big into all sorts of different things. I mean, I had, you know, when I got into high school and started doing auto shop stuff and um, had friends that built, you know, like, well, back, back when it was like low ride a Euro, right. When you would see like the little 13 inch Dayton's on the, on a Honda sedan or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the um, little mini trucks, the little mini, the mini trucks. Mini yep. Yeah. Yeah. The little, yeah, the Mazda yeah. B 2200s and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I just kind of, you know, it's, I, I look at cars and sneakers, like as the same kind of thing. Like I, I just really, once I'm into something and I'm passionate about it, I like, I love to explore all the different aspects of it. And with cars, you know, I think it's, it's, it's so relatable because it's, it's like that, like it's for most people, they put in, you know, a life's work into getting, you know, fixing up and maintaining that, that one thing, or maybe they change it up once in a while or whatever, but it's like just the, the attention to detail that goes into yeah. taking care of it and, and being responsible for it was something that I always admired. And I think that's something that even to this day, when I see somebody that you obviously know that they are really proud of it, you know, and, and I think sneakers are kind of the same way, you know, like you, you see somebody that, you know, with the internet and like with blogs and everybody creating content, it's like, you know, it's tough because you see all the people just going for the easy, like, this is the hottest thing and it's going to get retweets and reposts and likes and stuff. But at the end of the day, if you see a kid wearing a, I don't know, a, a pair of Air Max that he's excited about walking across the street, you know, like I, I was that kid one time. So I always just see that and just think, you know, that's kind of the, the, like, it, it's, it's really just about the feeling that people get from it and the, and the way that we can kind of connect. Right. And, I yeah, think, and, and most people just see a car just as a utility. I mean, and sneakers and shoes are a utility too, but for uh, people yeah. like us who are in, enthousi- enthusiasts, we're really into it. You know, it's different. It, it, it takes it to another level. But speaking yep. of like sneakers and, and sneaker content, like what kind of, what were some of the things that you were doing at Nice Kicks for your, like at your first job? Like, what, do you remember like what shoes you were riding about? Um, I mean, w- man, back then it was kind of crazy because we were doing like, probably anywhere from five to 10 blog posts every day. Um, uh-huh. You know, it was kind of like the blog world was, was kind of taken off. Um, I remember, you know, uh, I, it's funny. Cause I remember all of all like random stuff. Like for some reason, like we, the like scream green, like the Hirachi colorway, the air force one was like a, a shoe that we talked about all the time. You know, like 
I think that was around like eggplant foams and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. um, you know, the countdown packs. It's it's hard to remember like exactly the shoes that I wrote about, but like I remember specifically writing about um, like Jeff Staple when he did a, his collaboration with Airwalk. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like a something that I totally related to because I grew up, you know, wishing I could skateboard and, you know, especially being in Sacramento is like a hotbed for skateboarders. Right. And then, you know, go down to San Francisco and like, that's where everybody comes up. So I used to go down there and, you know, as a teenager and and watch all these guys and wish I could do that stuff. And I kind of went more towards like camera, you know, following people around with a, with a camera and doing that stuff as for fun as a, as a teenager. Um, mainly because like I wear a size 13 and like my feet and a skateboard are just like not compatible in that way, you know, like I could get around, but I'm not going to do anything much more than that. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, like I think with, with, with that though, it was kind of interesting because it was really the first time, like, I felt like I had a a really like valid opinion because like I wrote this, you know, it wasn't even that long. I just wrote something, you know, maybe a, a page or two equivalent. Right. And basically saying, like, I really admired Jeff Staple at the time for for doing the airwalk thing, because as somebody who, you know, grew up doing both things and, and riding a BMX and all of that, you know, that's a brand that, like, I admired and, and looked up to as a kid. I, I didn't really understand the footwear business as a kid like that. But, like, I wrote that piece and and um, it was kind of funny because Twitter Twitter is really new, right? I think we all kind of got on Twitter 2008, 2009 somewhere in that era. And I remember posting that up or pu- putting that on my blog. And, um, at the time was like, literally just like a, like a WordPress dot WordPress type mm-hmm. thing. Right. It was just like someplace that I wrote because a lot of the stuff that, you know, like we didn't back then, even with nice kick stuff, we didn't do a whole lot of opinion type stuff. Right. It was more like we were a news feed of information and people looked to us to see what was coming out. And, you know, it was, uh, back then we used to, we used to like have to hunt down photos and, and try to like, you know, we would even be like saving URLs in the, you know, from the site and changing the product codes to get pictures sometimes and all that stuff. So, um, but what happened from that was Jeff actually took that story and like tweeted it to, I forget who, but like he tweeted it to Ronnie Feig and, and somebody else just basically saying, this guy's basically, you know, is explains exactly why I did this collab or why I'm doing this partnership, just read this and you'll understand where I'm coming from. And I was like, whoa, this guy actually recognizes me. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, this is pre, you know, complex yeah. con, sneaker con, like Jeff wasn't accessible to to anyone at that point to that level, unless you were in New York City or at Nike, right? So um, that was just kind of like a game changing moment for me where it was like, okay, so people are actually going to be able to understand what I'm, where I'm trying to come from in this whole, whole space. And, um, I ended up, you know, with, with nice kicks, I was there for a year or two, um, in Austin and then, you know, kind of came back to California. Wasn't hundred percent sure where I was going to go, but, um, a couple months later, um, I, you know, I spent a lot of time on Nike talk and the soul collector forums and ISS Man. and that kind of stuff. That was my era so, too. Yeah. You know, and, yeah that kind of turned into uh, like a situation where Nick DePaula reached out to me and was like, Hey, if you're not writing for nice kicks, you could write for soul collector, which was like mind blowing. Right. Because like, you know, other than slam magazine and Russ Bankston, like that's who I looked up to in that world as a, as a high schooler soul collector was like the coolest 
thing on the planet, right? Like it was like a real magazine about sneakers. And um, so I started kind of working with them. Um, that turned into a really cool opportunity. Um, you know, at the time, even Soul Collector, I would say, was really kind of behind on the blog world um, because, you know, they had had the forums and it was more about the community and and the community conversations that happened within the forums, you know, kind of like Nike Talk, right? Do you remember the so, rivalry between Nike Talk and the, oh, yeah. and the, and yep. the Soul Collector forums? Oh, yep. man, those, those were yeah, funny man. times. <laughs> it's just so weird, too, because, like, it's all the same. Half of them are the same people. And then it's yeah. all the same, like, interest, right? Like, we're all, you know, yeah. we're all into the same thing for a reason, right? It's because the three of us can sit down and chop it up over shoes and, like, enjoy the conversation. And, and like, it wouldn't matter if it was on a forum or if we were at a restaurant or something, right? If, like, the three of us walked into a place and we'd be like, whoa, like, what's he got on over there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like you probably end up saying something about those shoes and that's how you, you build friendships. Exactly. But for some reason, people like drink a little internet Kool-Aid and they think oh, I'm, I'm this and I'm that, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah, it was, it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like you said, everybody which side were you on thing. Nacho? Which, which side were you I, I, on? I was on, I was on both. I both? was on both, but like, it was funny. Like you weren't taking sides. Be, no, but like people would like, uh, like be like, oh, those Nike talk dudes, they're assholes. And then they'd be like, oh, those soul collector dudes, they don't know anything. So it was like, yep. it was, it was funny. It was, it was silly. Or like, you know, if like you would post something whack, like on Nike talk, they'd be like, oh, take that shit over to the soul collector boards or something. <laughs> so yep. it was like, it was hilarious. It was, it was funny. Yeah. I, I, I think back to that stuff now. And I just wonder like how many of those people are still the same people mad on the internet at some random thing that like just doesn't even it doesn't affect them at all, but they're in the comments, you know, you guys know, you see the, the negative comments on the YouTube videos and you're like, what? You just watched this like 20 minute thing just to leave us a bad comment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The internet's weird, man. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's been the same, but you know, like you said, it just, it gives people that courage, you know, to say things that they normally wouldn't be able to say, you know, yep. like nobody's going to really tell us any of that stuff in person. Like nobody has the nuts to do anything yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, that's the funny thing, too, is most of the time, like, you know, my experience, at least with the Internet, it's like uh, we used to call it digital courage. When, like, you see somebody sipping the digital courage, you just be nice to them. And then all of a sudden they're like a fan for life because they expected you to come back at them in the same way that you're coming or that they're coming at you. And it's like, no, that's not how I am. Like, I, you know, I don't have time for that kind of stuff. I'd rather, you know, kind of kind of going back to like what you're saying, like, I've done a ton of stuff, but it's. I'm always just trying to work with people to do more stuff. You know, it's like only a, only a short amount of time. So the more people I can meet and work with and do, do cool stuff, then, you know, the better I feel. So that's kind of my goal with it all. When did you start realizing that like your, your blogs and your, your opinions and your, you were like building up, I guess, authority in the space. Like when did you start realizing you were making an impact in that kind of way? Like I know the, the airwalk article, was a big deal for you, but do you remember, was there ever a moment where you were like, damn, like, you know, I, I'm headed in the right direction. Um, so I think the, I think the, the biggest moment for me was like, I had done some, you know, I'd done a lot of writing for nice kicks and I had done some stuff for soul collector. Um, but after soul collector, so I, I'd have to check the year on this, but it was, it was in August. I remember it being like a, a, a few days, maybe a week after my birthday and my birthday is in early August. And Russ Bankston had tweeted out something saying that they were looking for uh, a sneaker editor. And 
you know, I, I had done a lot of cool stuff. Like I had, I had built the East Bay blog, like East Bay didn't have a blog. Nobody at Soul Collector wanted to go to Wisconsin because it was snowy and cold. So I was like, I'll do it. Like there's gotta be some cool stuff up here. The nostalgia and all these catalogs is enough for me to come up here anyway. Um, but it was one of those projects under the Soul Collector thing that wasn't, it wasn't cool, right? It wasn't like, like, you know, Nick DiPaola, Steve Mulholland, those guys were getting to go on like press trips for Nike and like, but that stuff is cool. Don't get me wrong. But like, I also just love like the, the, the normal, like, you know, kind of stuff that I kind of came into this stuff and being interested in. So, um, but that summer, probably like 20, maybe like 2011 or 2012, Russ posted that they were trying to hire a sneaker editor for complex. And in, and I responded with like something along the lines, this would be a really cool job for somebody in New York city. And he DM'd me and said, Hey, if you want the job, you could have it. Cause I'd rather just give you the job than interview people. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't even, I, you know, like I had had a few conversations with him and I, I know that we had followed each other, but like, we hadn't had, like, I don't think we'd had a ton of conversation. Mm-hmm. So even that was like such a, a like, wow factor to me of like, this guy's re- willing to like, like yeah. give me an opportunity to come, you know, like I moved Huge to New York and yeah. And, and that to me was like, I think I've just had those a lot along the way, to be honest, you know, like being given the opportunity to, to, to kind of manage a lot of the East Bay stuff and, and fly up to Wisconsin and have meetings where you didn't really know what, what really existed behind all of that stuff. Right. And even, even back to, to nice kicks, there's just those little things along the way where you're like, wow, this is kind of crazy. And like, people are actually want to know what I have to say or what I think about these things. And each time it, it like, it's kind of like, I just, I, something happens and I, and I jump into a new opportunity and, and kind of just figure out and learn new things and add that to my resume and, and like something that I didn't expect will come down the road, you know? And, um, but yeah, I ended up taking the job obviously in, in New York and moving out there. And, you know, at that time, complex sneakers didn't, I mean, they talked about sneakers, but none of the complex sneakers handles actually existed. Like I signed up for those on my phone at the time. I think I was still on a Blackberry at the time even, um, and it was just one of those things where like, you know, they, they knew that it was going to, that we kind of all knew that like it should be going in that direction. But, you know, it was also like, you don't have back then you don't have like a, a team of people managing all those social media accounts, right? You have maybe one or two people managing like essentially like the main account. And then you'd figure out how to get your story pushed to the main account. If it was a good enough story as part of the sneakers team, and um, that, you know, was really just a, a, a crazy experience. I mean, honestly, like the, the first, like, I think a month or two after being there, um, OJ, who uh, was the, I forget, I forget what his title was, but he was kind of like the, uh, I don't know, kind of like the, um, I guess he'd be like, kind of like the. I don't know, COO, kind of like a chief organizational operator, operation, uh-huh. or, yeah, chief organizational officer or operations officer kind of situation. Um, but basically, I remember he like was like, hey, I need to talk to you, come into my office, you know, at this time. And, um, you know, I, keep in mind, like being from California and you guys know, like we don't have we don't have like real public transportation out here. Right. We have 
we have buses, but we don't have like a, a sub, like there's no getting around unless you have a car essentially. And I went to New York without a car, knowing that I'm a car guy, just thinking like, I'm going to like, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. I, I just, I couldn't afford a place to car- park a car out there. So I was like, I'll figure it out. The first weekend I was there, actually, I ended up walking like six miles from like Midtown Manhattan out to Brooklyn to look at an apartment because I, I, I like couldn't figure out how to get on the right subway train and like all that stuff. I mean, I figured it out eventually, but like it was a big deal to me. But anyway, like I was, I was, you know, OJ was kind of like, hey, come in, have this meeting with me. This is a couple months after being there. And I walk in and like, you know, the, the um, editor in chief at the time, NCB is in there. Joe Lapuma's in there. And essentially like they offered me a position that was to kind of oversee all the complex sneaker stuff. And the, the hardest part about that was actually like that I was like really friends with Russ, right? Like Russ is like a guy that I'm supposed to, you know, like they, they kind of like, well, Russ doesn't think about the business, but like Russ is clearly like the best writer. So I was like, wait, so he's the best writer. He needs to be the one that like does this stuff. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and that was kind of a wake up call to kind of understand that like the business side of this stuff is completely different than the creative output side of this stuff. And from that point on, you know, the, the complex sneaker stuff, we, you know, I think we really just like did amazing stuff. Right. I mean, we, we definitely ruffled feathers and we got people upset because we put some shoe above a shoe that they loved or made fun of something. But like the whole point of that, those years at complex for me was, to kind of just point the finger saying like, look, we all do this, you know, like if you're, if you're offended by this, then you're one of us basically, because we all do the like fresh pair of shoes, either smell the shoe or duck walk around, not trying to crease them that first time, or, you know, the overreacting cause you scuffed them the first time and all those little things. And, and like, we were just trying to say like, Hey, this is what being a sneakerhead is, or, you know, some people don't like that term, but like sneaker enthusiast, whatever it is, to me, it's just like, if you're into sneakers, you can relate to all these little nuances and these weird things that we do, the habits that we have, like, you know, I I mean, just think about like cleaning your shoes. If you told your parents or grandparents that you cleaned a pair of shoes every single day you wore them or carried around wipes to wipe them off, they would look at you like, get like, come on, like, you have to be serious about something other than this, right? They Um, still look at us like that. My my mom still looks at me like, like, where are they? Like, I I still, like, let's say like I leave them by the house, like by the door, my sneakers. And then my girl comes around and like is cleaning up and she'll just toss them casually. And it, I still cringe. I'm like, what are you doing? Like yeah, you yeah. can scuff them or something. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you, you grab those and you put those down lightly. Yep. <laughs> I just had a conversation with, with a friend and just, I was just saying like, I'm, I'm like, you know, now just into my forties. And I still think that my parents really kind of wonder like, what does this guy do with all these sneakers? You know, like, you can find me on the internet. It's pretty easy. Right. But like, they still don't totally understand like, like what I do. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy though. Like, and I think like that to, to your question, Brian, like that was one of those moments where I think that was probably the most powerful moment because I always look at it as writing and the creative output. Right. And, and as you guys know, working together on your YouTube stuff, right. You have to divvy up the work. Like you have to do, what's best for both of you in order to do it in a, in an efficient way. And that was something that I never really wrapped my head around. Like I'd done that with East Bay where I was like, okay, this person's writing this, this person's writing this, 
this guy's got photos coming. She's doing this project. But like, it didn't click until I got to complex and had that moment of like, you know, partially thinking I was getting fired because nobody got called in for those kind of meetings otherwise. Um, and I wasn't like expecting to get promoted, but it was just like, it, it definitely fit better. Right. And there was a little bit of tension between Russ and I, because, you know, I think like the perception was that I was going to change his work somehow, but at the end of the day, like he and I, like, I know that he's a better writer than I am. I admire what he does. He just doesn't, he just doesn't divvy up the work and, and process it the same way that I do. Plus he doesn't necessarily like dealing with other people as much as I do. So it was like, if I got to work with 10 different people writing here and here and here, then let me manage that part. I'll still, you know, contribute the writing where I can, but like, generally speaking, Russ would take on the, like the, like the really like kind of deeper dive conversations, the deeper dive writing pieces. He would do all the magazine work for the most part. Um, you know, and just kind of, we, we just figured out how to divvy it up and, and like the team that we had and like just the, the, the drive of all of us was really like one of those things where it was like, you kind of feel like everything's moving in the right direction in a way that I'd never really experienced before. Well, so. what was the culture of the company? Like, like, did you guys have like, did you guys have like, you know, everybody was wearing like a different pair of sneakers all the time. Cause you guys always had product coming in where you guys like, was there like that one dude who was like selling the stuff that you guys were getting for free? Like what, what was early complex <laughs> work culture? Like, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of that stuff. There was always kind of, um, you know, most of the people were always wearing something, right? Like because it was the magazine side, I think even people that you wouldn't expect to be into sneakers or having relationships with people at the brands had them. So, you know, if, if, uh, you know, like if one of the stylists or photographers did a shoot for, you know, Nike or Reebok years before in the print magazine, that's a really solid relationship because the print magazine was always like kind of the top tier for the brands. They always want to mm -hmm. get in the print magazine, even when it's like dying, right? Like that's still the wish is like, it's something tangible they can pass around the office and show off. So mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of people wearing a lot of cool stuff. There was a lot of just like, um, you know, yeah, brands and just random people would send just totally random stuff. So you would get like, you know, like you would get like uh, a package from like, I don't know, like Schick razors with a new automatic, you know, trimmer or whatever. And you're like, how do they get my information? Like I'm, I'm writing about sneakers. Do they expect me to write about this? You know? Um, but a lot of that stuff too, like there's, we always had like a kind of a, uh, a just like a, a table where like people would just put stuff if they weren't going to use it. So you would always see people throwing stuff on there, taking stuff that made sense for them to use. Like it was, it was pretty chill. Um, and it was super, super relaxed, you know, like there was always hip hop playing. There was always a lot going on. Most of the time you had like the brands, like the alcohol brands bringing drinks on Thursdays and Fridays, you know, like the office was super, super chill and I worked there. So if you're familiar with, with complex, you know, Mark echo was kind of, you know, the, the start of it all, but then like it transitioned into something completely different and rich Antonello talk, you know, kind of took over. Um, so I worked kind of in that whole era of like changing. So okay. when I first started, I was actually working in the old offices, which were Mark Echo's like office. Right. And he had like a crazy big desk, crazy walls, art on the walls everywhere. Um, and then eventually we ended up moving kind of to, to like Midtown up to, up towards like, um, like radio city. They're like right off of radio, right across from radio city now. And like, but like way high up in a, you know, 
high rise. Um, and, and that was a different vibe, but it was also cool because to me, I'm always really trying to wear sneakers and a, and a baseball hat, you know, like I just want to wear a fitted and, and sneakers and a hoodie. And I don't want to have to get dressed up. I like that stuff, but like, I don't want to have to, right? Like I did enough of that with AT&T where I was like, keep the ties away, keep the, keep the hard bottom shoes away. Um, so I think like, as I got more, you know, as, as I got more comfortable with that type of working situation, it was like one, it was exciting because you didn't have, you know, any kind of thought of a dress code or anything, which, you know, now kind of even sounds crazy, but like, you know, back then, like you, you would expect to be in like, almost like a suit working in a big, you know, built, you know, big office building like that. Right. And that turned into, you know, kind of a, a whole different experience. I remember like the first time at the, I mean, they're in a different office now, but in, in that like uh, high rise office, I forget what building it is, but um, I remember getting in the elevator with like, it, I think it was just me and maybe one other person. We were coming back from grabbing some food and like everybody in the elevator is in a suit and tie. And here we are in like, you know, just like sneakers and baggy clothes yeah. or like, you know, hoodies or whatever. And like, it was great because like, we actually ended up going higher in the building than everybody too, which was like, just such a like surreal experience of like, wow, it's crazy because in your mind, you always think of like, you know, and, and maybe you guys can relate to this because like the other part of it for me was like, I went there with like a total chip on my shoulder. Like I, I went there with like, I have to prove that somebody from California can come play in this world and, and make their mark because you know, like coming up and, and growing up in hip hop and like being a fan of all this stuff and having that beef between the East Coast and West Coast. And then also seeing like how the media markets are dominated by New York news, by New York, everything. Don't get me wrong. I love New York, but I, I went there with like, like, how come nobody, how come there isn't like a, a big, massive media company that does sneaker stuff in LA, right? Or in San Francisco. So I kind of went there with like this chip on my shoulder to prove that like I could I could hang with all these people that, you know, work so hard, you know, like seeing what you see in, you know, pop culture about like the hardworking nose down type of person in New York City. And like I went there with like that mentality, but I was like, I want it to be fun and laid back like California. Right. Like that to me is the difference between the two. Like, you know, and, and I'm totally generalizing and stereotyping, but like that kind of was always in my mind this is like business. And this is kind of like the, the, the laid back California lifestyle, even when it is business. Right. And that, that really just turned into, uh, you know, just a crazy amount of, you know, me being able to network and meet new people and learn new things and learn really about like all this, you know, the different aspects of the business, which, you know, you, you, you know, why I do what I do now is to try to, open up the opportunities and the, and the, you know, the, the knowledge that exists to people like myself that would have never gotten it at 15, 16 years old. Right. Like, yeah. And you were, you were actually like uh, super early on, on uh, like influencer marketing, right. With like YouTubers, like you were like, you were one, you, you were like the one who like reached out to like some of the, the, the sneaker YouTubers who, who are like kind of mainstays now, like Seth Fowler and, uh, yeah. and Foamy and young buckets and and yep and Cousteau. and um can you talk about that like you know what sneaker youtube was like back then and, and why you were you you pushed to 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 market in that kind of way like that was kind of a 
I guess like a yeah a visionary thing to do like in in terms of like business you know because now it's just like common you know yeah um I would say that you know it, it really came out of of me kind of becoming friends with people that were making YouTube content more than anything mm-hmm. but um it, it was really challenging because you know at, at that time complex so most of like so at complex they didn't move towards youtube because they were trying to build their own media platform so like we, when we started quick strike with clark with dj clark kent and russ bangston that was specifically on complex's media like complex tv is what they called it back then and that ultimately you know like complex decided that that was the way they wanted to go um you know they they really looked at youtube in a way that was like look, YouTube is going to be like kind of like unprofessional videos. We want it to be super polished. We want all our videos to be super polished. And at the time, I think, you know, to, to, to a lot of people that probably made sense, you know, in hindsight, they, they obviously moved into the YouTube space and and take that production value to their stuff now. Um, But for me, like, like having relationships with all those guys that were creating content and really just learning how to do it right. Was like, part of it was like, I always looked at it as like, Hey, this would be something I would love to do if I didn't have this, like, you know, full-time job doing this stuff. Um, but then when I, when I left complex, I ended up taking a job with finish line and, you know, they, they hadn't really kind of established any of that stuff as a was, company. Was this also in New York finish line? No, I actually, I actually moved to uh, Boulder, Colorado for that. Um, <laughs> Dude, yeah, so, so man, you've been, you've been around, bro. To oh, yeah. California to to you said Wisconsin to New York to Boulder. Yeah, so so I've lived <laughs> so I never I never officially moved to Wisconsin. I went up there regularly. Uh, I spent some time in Portland. I'm up there for a couple of months, but never really moved like in a in a like move all my stuff up there. But I yeah, California, uh, Colorado, uh, yeah, New York. Eventually, I moved to Detroit, Detroit right? for StockX. Yeah. Um, and, and really like, you know, I just kind of look at all those things like, it sounds bad, but like nothing is permanent, right? Like everything is going to change a year or two from now. Everything we think is going in a certain direction will be different. And I'd rather just be the person that takes the ride and, and you know, decides, hey, guess what? I can always go back, right? Like, and I, I think that about anybody that stays where they're from, right? Like I have a, I have a, I have a love hate relationship with Sacramento because I love it, but I also see a lot of people that didn't challenge them th- themselves enough. And that's always been an interesting thing for me because like, I always kind of use it as like, I'm going to go, but I can always come back. Right. Like I, I love, I love living in LA. I was there for a few years. I've lived there probably about five or six years throughout my life. Um, and then, you know, like being in San Francisco, like a family all over the Bay area. So like, I love all these different places. And I think as I get older, I realize like I would just like to be more mobile and be able to move to different, you know, not move necessarily, but be in different places more frequently, because that also gives me a chance to, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, gives me a chance to network and be inspired by all these people that are doing different things. And yeah, it's it's always challenging though, right? Because, you know, I it's a it's a huge risk, and some sometimes you just you don't really know how it's going to pan out, but at the same time, you know. I just feel like as long as I'm genuine and and truthful with people, even if it doesn't work out, like I I rarely burn bridges. Like I have a pretty good relationship with pretty much everybody I've ever worked with. And, you know, that's kind of just my approach to all this stuff. So, 
Um, it, it, I think the, the move to finish line was the first, because the, the, the work that I did for East Bay was as a contractor. I was still working for Soul Collector, but I, you know, went up there and helped them kind of establish what the blog would be, teach them what to look for in like the old catalogs, or even just teach them how to shoot photos a little bit better. Like we shot photos for them sometimes, but it was like talking to their team and trying to elevate what they were doing. Cause you know, when you look at an East Bay catalog, you see that side shot and that's it. Right. And then you go on the site and it's like, okay, you've got five different angles, but like we were coming from soul collector where we're like trying to take mm-hmm. super high end, like detailed photos. Like I want to see like close-ups of the tongue. I want to see close-ups of the airbag, all that stuff. And I think that was kind of like, you know, I, I left complex with like those two things really thinking like, this is what a retailer could be is like complex, but access to all the product, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because at complex, even, even as complex, you don't necessarily get access to like the specific products that you want, right? Like, let's say, you know, the three of us are at complex and, and we're reaching out to Nike because one of us likes this shoe, one of us likes that shoe, and one of us likes the other. Well, they don't necessarily have those shoes to send out to get in a magazine early enough. They don't necessarily even have those shoes to send out at all sometimes because of shipping and, and however they've divvied it up for people. So you can't always have access to the product in terms of like being on the media side, which was always really interesting to me because I thought, oh, these people will get anything. Yeah. You know, we get sent a lot of random stuff, but sometimes you just can't even get the Jordans that are coming, you know, in the next couple of weeks because they don't have those pairs or because they have them at an, at, you know, one of the people that works at the agency and it's like the loaner pair. So we would literally have people bring a pair of shoes down to shoot and then take them back to the agency because it was just a sample, you know? So when I went to finish line in Colorado, so they had Colorado was like their digital and then Indianapolis is their um, kind of regular headquarters. And I went there with the mentality of like, you know, how do I bring all these relationships that I've, you know, grown and, and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, acquired over the years by doing this stuff to this business that is like really traditional in a sense that like, it's just retail, right? They weren't really pushing out a lot of content digitally. They weren't really, you know, like, and the internet is intimidating for a lot of those companies. I mean, sure. You guys remember like, you know, like, I mean, even thinking about it now, like, like, like Nacho, you were saying like about Nike talk, right? If, if you were on Nike talk and you applied for a job at finish line, I would actually talk to you before I would talk to somebody with a, like, you know, a degree or, or whatever, because I, that meant that you understood something about this culture that was more important it to me, more important in the conversation than whatever that piece of paper or whatever. And, and that's not to say that like, you know, you shouldn't get a degree, like everybody should find their own path. But those are the kind of conversations that I was trying to have with finish line. So to, to go back to the product seating and the working with YouTubers, it was, a it was, it was really like not something that a lot of the people at finish line really understood at the time and, or believed that would be successful because, you know, I think back to like some of the better videos that came out of those times and, you know, it might've been like 15, 20,000 views. Right. And there weren't very many YouTubers that were getting anything more than that. So, so to, so to, to consider like, okay, like if we, let's say we send a product or let's say like, we didn't really have a budget to pay a lot, but like, let's say we had a small budget and we sent somebody 500 bucks or a thousand dollars, which like, 
if you're doing this now, like ask for more money, like, but like at the time, like, because nobody was really getting access to that stuff, you know, I would, I would call like Fomer or Jacques or text him and be like, yo, I know this is not what you're worth, but like, this is a shoe that might be worth doing a video for you because it's something that nobody has yet, because we would get a shoe like an Air Max model or, or, you know, sometimes a pair of Jordans and be able to get it out. But but Finish Line hadn't ever established any product seating either. So that was part of what my friend Brandon and I worked on while we were there is like just getting that whole that whole concept of like sending out product, what to expect back, where you can, you know, just send products and have somebody included in the content that they make. Sometimes you've got to pay for that. And it's a give and take, right? Like if 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 I even now, like if I was working with you guys and it was like, hey, it'd be really cool if you guys could tell the history of this shoe and I could send you a few pairs. If there's not a budget on that one, then our whole approach was to like have a close enough relationship with the people we sent product to, to say, look, we don't have budget for this, but we're going to include you in the next one where we do have budget. So this is how we could work the system in order to like actually get people paid. It wasn't a lot back then at all, but like, you know, and, and the other thing that we really established too with Finish Line that I think came from like, you know, seeing all the random product at Complex that just didn't get used and never, you know, never found its way to anybody that cared. I always wanted my team to like ask the people if they wanted that shoot. And I didn't necessarily need them to say, yeah, I really love this shoe. That's why I'll post about it or talk about it. But like they needed to understand where we were coming from on the business side to say, look, I, I'm, I might not be able to send you every shoe that you want. Because inevitably, I'm trying to spread this out to everybody so everybody gets a little chance to play. Mm -hmm. But I'd rather send you a shoe that you, you know, are remotely interested in than something that you absolutely hate. And if you're going to take something that you're not really excited about, then I'd rather be able to follow up with something that you really like. You know, like there's just the balance there. And like you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of situations. And really, that only happens because I just continually was having conversations with these people through throughout the years. Right. And I think with the YouTube thing, you know, it, it was, it was a different time, right? Like, you know, if, if you compared one of your guys's videos now to what people were doing, what, like, I would say a, a really successful YouTuber was doing in like 2013, 2014, totally different. It's night and day difference, right? Yeah. Like anybody that was creating videos back then would look at what you guys do and think like, throw that on my channel. That's great content. Right. But it's 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 evolved to that point where like, you know, like even thinking about the technology in our phones, right? We can do a lot more now where back then, like I remember talking to Jacques Slade about it a, a few months back where, you know, ha having videos that would take literally, you know, a day to upload, you know, like it just was like, you know, eight hours, nine hours worth of upload time to get a video up. Like he wouldn't even be able to guarantee that the video would go up on the same day because it would take so long. Yeah, and it's just constantly changing the platform. Yeah, constantly changing. Yeah, but, you know our, our time is limited, and I would be really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't want to um I don't want to like use it all because you just have such a huge story. We, we can go in so many directions, but I I I don't want to do this without talking about uh the sneaker history podcast and basically you having a desire to do things outside of your. I mean, you worked all these corporate sneaker jobs, and then you and at all these media companies, but you've also always had your own little like side hustle, you know what I mean? 
And I just want like how did how did uh, the sneaker history podcast um like start or just the brand your 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 um yeah your it's it's your baby basically yeah so I think like we probably you know it, it came from having all these experiences with these different corporations and and businesses where you know sometimes you just don't necessarily want to tell the same story or you don't want to tell the story in a way that um you know you're kind of being told to tell it. I, yeah. I am naturally kind of, I have a lot of stick it to the man in me. I'm very like, you know, kind of anti that stuff. And I think that um, the more you do the same thing and you see it repeated, the more you just want a, a creative outlet. Mm-hmm. I don't mean like I want to trash somebody else's story. I just mean like, look, you know, we all create our own stories with the shoes we wear. So like if your story about a Jordan one is about Michael Jordan, that's great. We love that story. But if your story about a Jordan one is because you and your brother camps out to get them in 2001, that's a great story too. And and I think those are the things that kind of push me towards like, let me just create this thing. You know, it's, it's grown a ton and it's, it's been really awesome. It started really as just a, a place for me to write about things and talk about things in a way that I, wouldn't have wouldn't have to worry about who was the you know the, the sponsor for the site at that time or who was paying for the ads on the site and um you know we i started the outside the box podcast in yeah, 20 right. in 2015 um and that's that was actually super with, helpful for me like as a youtuber as a student, yeah just try, trying to make it out here so yeah thanks for doing that i've watched like the one you did with seth and 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 jock i i really enjoyed it Awesome. Awesome. That's great to hear, man. I mean, that's really, you know, we started that originally. And um, unfortunately, like at the time, Brandon was still at finish line and they ended up kind of shutting it down. And then we came back with Tiffany and then obviously Tiffany's professional career kind of took a different direction. So, um, you know, Jacques and I talked about it and I was like, look, man, I, I gotta, I, I really, I feel like my, I, I value, I, I measure my success based on how many opportunities I can create for other people, right? It's not about money. Of course I need it. Like it's been tough to pay rent this last year and a half because of COVID, but like really at the end of the day, if I can help somebody else, I feel better. And I trust that the universe is going to come back to me and and take care of me in whatever way I need it to. And I think that that conversation with Jacques started this whole whole kind of new, uh, new era for outside the box and, you know, sneaker history, the podcast we started a few years back, you know, it's more like, I would say like if we were just hanging out, you know, grabbing a, a bite to eat, you know, tacos or or grabbing a beer or coffee or whatever. And it's just a, a few guys talking about sneakers exactly. and, the, and the subjects really just kind of can go wherever. But um, with outside the box, I kind of just, just like fill in this, this, my, my own kind of need to I, I tend to listen to podcasts where I'm learning, right? And mm-hmm. I wanted to create something that I could introduce people to aspects of the business that they don't necessarily understand from afar and maybe hopefully, you know, open some doors for people in that way. So, um, and, you know, with Sneaker History, we've we've kind of spun that into a little community. We have a pretty good little Discord going. We have Patreon and it's finally actually paying for itself. It's been like, you know, six, seven years of this, but like, the bills that come from hosting and all this other stuff are actually covered now by the Patreon people, which is amazing. So like I, I can now like not have to worry about that where before it was like, do I value this to write, you know, to pay a hundred dollar bill each month or 150 bucks on all these different things just to have a place that I could call my own. Right. 
and or this not is even like, just not even just the, the money it's like the time that you're putting in to make yeah these I, I, and, yeah and like that's where we're at right now you know what i mean <laughs> it's like, yeah <laughs> i mean i love it it's fun i i feel empty if i don't make something but uh yeah that that's amazing i hope that we can get to that place where we're like you know we're we can do it without having to think i mean yeah you're thinking about money or whatever but where your where your time is paid for you know what i mean yeah exactly and i and i think that's that's like what it always comes down to right and i think like that shows in your guys's videos like it it, it shows in, in everybody's content right like if somebody really cares about it and they're doing it you know that they're doing it for the right reasons right like you also see the people that are just trying to get a check and i don't have any problem with that if that's how you want to go about it but that just trying to get a check is a really long road. Like it's a really, really long road for people to, especially in sneakers, right? Because the people that care about sneakers see right through that. And the more sneakers becomes a big thing, the more people that understand sneakers are going to work at all these brands and they're all going to see through all of those things. And I think that's, you know, you've seen that over the years with, with a handful of people that like come up real quick, do a bunch of stuff and yeah. then disappear and you're or like they just they switch their content to like something oh. that not that has yep. nothing to do with sneakers you know yeah definitely well it's been a it's been a, a pleasure talking to you uh, uh sorry if we went a little bit over but no no worries yeah it's really great man appreciate you uh you know coming on and uh, stopping by stopping by yeah, and ta- talking of course talking uh you know soul collector nike talk civil war or, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> It's crazy times, man. I'm telling you, you gotta. Be it was, there. man. Yeah, it was. Be there. I was yeah. like the birth of the internet trolls. Yeah. Hey, that should yeah. be your guys's. That should be on your guys's video list, man. Oh the yeah. Civil War of Nike Talk and Soul Collector. <laughs> I want to do yeah. a video just on like that era, like the the, yeah. forum, the forum era, because I, I I miss that. But it would be dope. Yeah. To something on, and you know, nostalgia. Well, nostalgia. For sure. Is good. And I think we're kind of back to that, right? Like we're seeing that with the discord groups that are popping up. We're yeah. seeing a lot of community driven stuff where it's like, you know, like the sneaker history discord is like maybe 80 to hundred people. Right. But almost everybody's posting their shoes, everybody, every day, nobody's making fun of anybody. And it's really like, like people are talking more about what they're watching on Netflix or what food they're cooking or, mm-hmm. you know, just the randomness that you would find on, on the Nike talk, right. Or on, on soul collector. So um, I yeah. think we're kind of back to that that space, and I think it'll be cool to to kind of see what the next the next wave takes takes on for sneakers because we've definitely seen a lot of change in just like you know the 10, 15 years. So it's crazy. I'm excited for it. Yeah, definitely. It's, right. it's great talking to you guys. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, Nick. Uh, keep in touch, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course, of course. Hey, take, take it easy, guys. Hey, yep, man. You too. Cool. Have All a right. good one, bro. Later. All right, guys. So that is going to be it. Uh, didn't I tell you that Nick is a, a real OG? He worked at like every sneaker media company known to man. Um, but we really enjoyed having Nick on and talking to him and interviewing him and, and just just talking to him about you know the the early days of of the sneaker media. So thanks so much to Nick for being on and thank you guys for listening to this podcast. It is slowly slowly growing. I mean, we're still super small, but this is like our fifth or sixth episode, I think. But hey, if you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and I will give you a shout out. I'll read out your review here on the show. 
since we don't have that many reviews right now. And it would really, really mean the world to Nacho and I if you left us a review. So thank you so much for listening. And we shall see you on the next episode. And I think we're going to upload twice this week. So be on the lookout for that. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a marvelous rest of your evening, morning, day, uh, night, wherever it is you are in the world. Thank you so much for listening. And I shall catch you guys on the next one. Peace.